we want to kick off the book of Acts, but I want to let you know I have two dogs. And I want to tell you a story about my, my two dogs. About a year ago, a year, maybe a little bit more than a year ago, the family decided that we were going to go into uh, pet ownership. And so we, we bought a uh, golden doodle named Lucy, and she's a mini golden doodle. And she's 18 pounds, and she is fluffy, like a big fluffy carpet. And we got a golden doodle, hashtag I live in Cary, okay? And then my father-in-law is now living with us, and so he brought his dog, and his dog is a 10-year-old Boston Bull Terrier, and his name is, I'll give you the full name, Chewbacca Butch Qualls. It was a long story, but big Star Wars fans, and so he is Chewy. And so now we have Chewy and we have Lucy in our house, and so Chewy uh, is an incredible, incredible dog, probably the best dog I've ever seen in my life, doesn't bark hardly at all, just sort of sleeps all the time, loves to be, just just tell him he's a good boy, give him some food, and he's great. Lucy, on the other hand, is um, is a spaz. (laughs) Um, She is a puppy, she's one years old, and she is a little bit of a spaz. And so uh, Lucy likes to bark loudly little dog barking and she likes to bark loudly and so it got it's gotten a little bit of out of control and so please 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 forgive me for what I'm getting ready to say I went and investigated and I did purchase her please don't get mad at me I bought her a bark collar okay and so the bark collar does this the bark collar will beep one time on one bark and on the second bark it will beep and then buzz and on the third time it just buzzes okay and that is really trying to help Lucy gain control over her barking It's been a great gift of the Lord to me. And so Lucy has the bark collar, and we put the the collar on Lucy, and it's got a microphone right underneath her little chin there, and put it on her, and if she starts to bark, beep, and then it goes, ooh, she tucks down a little bit, and then she gets the picture, and it's really working, I would say, decently. Okay, and so uh, this particular, about, about two weeks ago, we decided, Dana and I, to have a conversation on our screened-in porch. The sun had set. We were both sitting on the porch. It was myself, Dana, Chewy, and Lucy, and we're out there on the porch, and all of a sudden, Chewy, who I just told you, never barks, started barking. Chewy never barks, like, ever, and I'm like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, Chewy starts barking. Lucy looks around. Usually Lucy would, but Lucy doesn't because Lucy's got her collar on. And then all of a sudden, the barking of Chewy is picked up on the microphone of Lucy. <laughs> and I want to tell you something that Lucy is like, what are you doing? <laughs> and Chewy is barking and Lucy's over here and they're shrugging her shoulders and she's not doing anything in the world and she's getting beeped and shocked and all this kind of stuff. And so I want to tell you right now that I had to sit Chewy down one-on-one and I had to explain to Chewy a theological concept, a theological discipline that, hey, Chewy, you need to understand that what you do in life affects other people. He repented and we've gone on. Here's a point. Here's a point. I want you to know something that as we dig into the book of Acts, What you're going to learn is greatly going to impact and affect those you're around. I hope in a shockingly positive way. Did you get that? I worked hard on that one. Okay, so so you are sitting around people in the normal rhythms of life and that we have life groups and we have church and we have service opportunities and we have the book of Acts from now until May. 12 chapters from now until May. 
And as you go through this, there's two things that are going to happen. First, there is what is going to happen to you as an individual. The title of the book of Acts that we have called, the title of our message series, is You Will Be. And there is a personal dynamic to that. It's, it's looking at your life, you looking at God, you looking at the God of creation and looking at him and saying, who will I be? And then there's a corporate answer to the question of Northwest Community Church, who will you be? And your experience through the next several months and this book will greatly impact your life, but also the lives of those that are around you. And I'm hoping that as Hebrews says, that we will stir each other up to love and good deeds because of what we hear, what we see, and what we go through and what we learn. Are you ready? Open your Bibles to Acts chapter one. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter one. We're gonna get in there, but what I want you to do is I want you to to see what I have up here in my hand. And in order for you and I to understand how God can use this message series in our lives individually, I think there's a couple of different ways. First of all, our life groups, some of our life groups will be going through and following questions from the messages on each week. We also have the messages on Sunday. We also have this booklet that we have created for you titled, You Will Be, which is called Part One, okay? And so what this booklet is filled with is it's, oppor- it's an opportunity for you to reflect on the messages. It's got devotions. It's got sermon notes that you can write a place to write sermon notes. This is a resource for you and for, for I to be able to go through this and use these things so that we can allow this book to be sh- allow this book, the, 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 the book of Acts, we can allow this book through the power of the Holy Spirit to shape us to being who God created us to be. And we've got a lot of things. I mean, Jerry worked a really hard, a long and hard hours on this right here. Put this together. It is phenomenal. It is a great, great, great resource for you. You'll be able to get one when you leave. If you want more than one per family, then we'd love for you to, we're going to ask you to just, um, you know, give $5 for, for the copy of that, okay? Now, let's take a look at the, the, the book of Acts together. First thing that we want to cover in the first Um, the first questions that we want to answer through this study are this. Here are the three questions that we're going to answer in this study. Number one, what is the church? Number two, how does the Holy Spirit empower the church? And what is the church's mission? That's number three. And so we are going to look at those three questions over the next several months to really understand who we can be as a church and how we can do this. Before we jump right into verse one, I want to just give you what I call the vital statistics of the book of Acts. The vital sticks, mainly just the main things that we have so that we can learn and make sure that we know, hey, who wrote the book, who was it written to, and why it was written. So the first thing I want you to see is the purpose of the book of Acts. The purpose is to give an accurate account of the birth and growth of the Christian church. To give an accurate account of the birth and growth of the Christian church. Where, who was the author of the book of Acts? The author was none other than Luke, who was a Gentile physician. He's a great friend of Paul. He's a follower of Jesus And he wrote the Gospel of Luke. We have four Gospels. He wrote the Gospel of Luke. And then he also wrote the book of Acts. If you want to take a look at it, there are more verses written by Luke in the Bible, in the New Testament, than any other person. I know Paul wrote so many books, but in terms of verses, Luke wrote more verses. He has written this to the the person by the name of Theophilus. Theophilus was a friend. We're not quite sure if he was a believer. Um, But what we were trying to do is that Luke was trying to write 
the book of, of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts so that Theophilus would become a fully devoted follower of him and that he would know all that Jesus did and all that Jesus would do. And so it's written to Theophilus, and of course it's written for us as well. Now the title. If you look in your Bible and it says, that you look in your Bible, it says it's the Acts of the Apostles. That's really it. It's a record of what the apostles did. But see, Jerry and I, we've talked and we've got this really updated sort of title, and I don't think it's um, way off base. I think it's actually a little bit more accurate to really take a look at what we call this book. So the title of the book of Acts is, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the lives of the apostles. It is the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the lives of the apostles. You have to understand, and I have to understand, that it is impossible for you to be who God, who, who God has called you to be. It is impossible for us to be the church that God's called us to be if we don't rely upon the third part of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit of God empowering these people to do incredible things. We're going to take a look this morning how the early apostles and disciples were quite confused in Luke chapter 24 about all that was going on. Then we get into the book of Acts and we see them preaching and sharing in the church, exploding in growth and people getting healed and saved and all of those kinds of things. And we have to understand what was the difference? What went from being confused and unsure to now they were on fire? And the early church had 120 people, and in a very short amount of time, there were probably upwards of 30,000 people. I believe that Acts chapters 1, verses 1, 2, and 3, give us a reason for why the early apostles were so on fire to preach and share the greatest message in the world. I believe that Acts chapter 1, 1 through 3 is going to help us do that. I think there are three truths that Jesus uses to encourage the apostles and us. Number one, number one is this. Jesus is not finished. Jesus is not finished. If we take a look in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 1, it says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Those two words, first of all, the first phrase, in the first book. In the first book, it basically is meaning that Luke is writing an account in the life of Jesus through the gospel. And then he comes to volume two, which is the book of Acts. And he basically says, hey, in the first book, I said this. And now I'm going to say something else. Which shows the apostles, and it shows you and I, that Jesus is not finished. He's not done. It goes on to say this, is that you can take a look at the book of Luke and you can see that there is probably the most detailed account of the, the narrative of Jesus' birth. Luke chapter 2 is what a lot of people at Christmas time, Christmas Eve, Christmas time, will use as a message series, Luke chapter 2. We also know that if you were to take a look at the status of the apostles in Luke chapter 24, which I want you to look at, and then coming up to this statement in verse 1, you will see and you will understand why they became so emblazoned and boldened and powerful in their witness. First thing is, is this, is, is, in Luke, is in Luke 24, 13 through 17. Luke 24, 13 through 17. I want you to gain a picture of the status of these uh, apostles. It says this in verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other and all these things that had happened. 
while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Here is what's going on. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. Jesus appeared to them on the road to Emmaus. He, was, he came to them to show them exactly who he was, to, to talk with them, to walk with them. They were confused. They were frightened. They were afraid. They weren't quite sure what was going on. Right there it says that they were sad. In Luke chapter 24, verse 36 through 38, it says this. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? And so you take a look at these first two uh, texts that, that we've looked at in the, verse, in, in, uh, in, in the book of Luke, and you sit there and you look at it and you go, wow, the, the apostles were not quite sure of everything that was going on. Then we take a look at the first verse in the book of Luke, in the book of Acts, and Luke clearly states that I'm not done. I've got something else I need, you to, I need to tell you. I've got something else I need you, to, need, need you to see. And here's what I want you to understand right now. When I say that Jesus is not done, I am not talking about the payment for your salvation and mine. Because that's what Jesus went on the cross and said, it is, say it with me church, it is what? It is finished. The finished work of Jesus in terms of our salvation has been paid and it's been paid in full. There was nothing that we add to it and nothing that we take away from it. The saving work of Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says this, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice, he sat down at the right hand of God. And we're sitting here and we're going into the book of Acts because Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of God and there's still more to be done. Jesus cried on the cross, it is finished. The sins were covered, the wrath was removed, and Satan, listen to me, Satan was mortally wounded. Say amen. Amen to that. He was mortally wounded. And so Luke comes to stress to these early followers and you and me. Here, here's the statement I want you to listen to. He comes to them and he says, here's how I want you to remember it. It is finished, but I am not finished. I say it again. He said to them, it is finished. That it is your salvation. It has been paid and it has been paid in full. Completely, a 100%. But Jesus is coming through Luke and saying, I've got more work that needs to be done. And he looks at these apostles and says, you might be few in number, but I am mighty in spirit. And I'm going to fill you and I am going to use you. And I want you to know that there is more stuff to be done. It is finished. But Jesus says, I am not finished. The book of Acts is not it, the book of Acts is about the risen, living, enthroned Jesus. He said in Matthew 16, which is a beautiful text, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we're coming off of the eyewitness council, earthly life and ministry of Jesus. He goes up to heaven, he sits at the right hand of God, and there is still a lot of stuff to be done because it is not finished. And I want to look you in the face right now as one of your pastors, and I want to read this verse over you right now. It says this, that he who began a good work in you will see it through to the day of completion. 
We call this progressive sanctification. What I want you to know something is to you individually, there is a verse that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and he used the word began. He who began a good work in you. What does that mean? He's not finished with you either. He's not finished with you. Paul is coming here in that verse and he's saying, I started something and I'm going to see it through to completion. I want you to repent. I want you to follow. I want you to keep short accounts with you and I. And I want you to be aware of why you are here. And I don't want you to ever forget that it is not finished. It is finished. But I am not finished. So what does Jesus have in store for you? If you're to answer the question, who will I be? I hope that you will sit there, open up your hearts through your life group, through our conversations together, that you will sit there and you will say, God, through the power of your spirit, reveal to me who I can be in your name. In your name. Some of us see the Trinity as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Bible. Because we're a little scared of the spirit of God moving in and among us. The Trinity, God has demonstrated himself as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And there is no way in this world that we will be able to do and finish what God has done in and of ourselves, but through the Spirit of the living God. And that's point number two, is Jesus has not left us alone. Now I'm going to say amen to that. Jesus has not left us alone. And I'm sitting here right now, and it says in verse 2, it says, until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles whom he had chosen. I want you to look at Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47. This right here is an account of what the commands that were given and Luke does. This is a very similar account to Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, which we know is the Great Commission. And so when we take a look at Luke chapter 24, 46 to 47, it says this, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. We know that in Matthew, go make disciples of all nations, and it says down, And lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. Jerry is really going to flesh out how we are not left alone in next week's message talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. But he gave them these commands. Hey, I want you to make much of Jesus. I want you to go to all nations, baptizing them, telling them who I am. I want you to do that, but I also want you to realize that it is the acts of the Holy Spirit that is going to be able, it's going to be able to you, for you to do what I've called you to do. It is the, empower, the empowering presence of Jesus, his Holy Spirit, in our life. You see, the apostles were told by Jesus in John 16 that it was better for him to go during his earthly ministry. The Holy Spirit is called the Comforter. John 16, 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. And if I do not go away, the Helper will not come. So Jesus is in the presence of the apostles. But if he has to walk away from them, then they are not in his presence. And he's saying, I, what I want you to know something right now. It's better for me to go away. Because, here's what he said, the God inside me is better than the God beside me. He says the, the indwelling of God in our life, God in our life, okay? He is in our life. He is with us. We are filled with him at, at, at any minute and, and, and every time. 
and Jesus in our presence, we don't have the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life. And he says, hey, God inside me is better than God beside me so that I can move and work. And that's the book of Acts. It's comforting, it's inspiring, it's encouraging, it's daunting, and it's most motivational. So Jesus is not finished. Jesus has not left us or you alone. Not left you alone. Okay, really quick, I'm going here. I wasn't planning on it, but I am. Steve Garcia preached several weeks ago about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know I'm talking really fast, but I'm gonna get this in because I feel like I wanna share this with you. And I went home and I studied that text. And at the end of that text, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were placed in a fiery furnace and they were bound. They were bound. Their hands were tied. And when Nebuchadnezzar looked at them, he says this, they are walking around and I see a fourth one and they are walking around unbound. And I want to tell you something right now. My father-in-law started chemotherapy this week. Praise God that we were able to get that done. But I'm telling you, as you walk around in that valley or whatever thing that you're in, you realize that we can walk around unbound because he's freed us up. And he's with us and he's walking with us and he's moving and he's not going to leave us alone. He is not finished. It is finished, but he is not finished. He is not going to leave us alone. And the third thing I want you to see is that Jesus proves that he is the Messiah. You see, these guys were scared to death. They weren't really sure of who he was. They had the Old Testament scriptures, but since some of the people that were passing them on in terms of verbal passing it on were saying they were skipping the part about the suffering servant. And so they're sitting there going, no way in the world that this Messiah who could come and free us from our sins would die in, in a way like that. That's the death of a criminal. And then all of a sudden, Jesus comes in verse, Jesus comes through, through Luke. And this is what Luke says. He says, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. They had an aha moment. Here's where they were in, in, in Luke 24, 16 through 18. It says this, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who, has not, who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? In verse 25, it says of Luke 24, And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow to, slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. They were confused. They were not they did not understand who he was fully. And here he comes. He has the death, the burial, the resurrection. And he goes, they have an aha moment. I want you to look at Luke 24, verse 39. On this road, he appears to them for 40 days. See my hands and my feet? That is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones you see that I have. And in verse 44, he says, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. This was a drastic and dramatic transformation in the life of these apostles. How do we see that? If you look at chapter 2 of Acts, chapter 3 of Acts, every sermon that Peter preached was using and referencing the Old Testament. Because they came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is 
the Messiah. And that's why they were emboldened. That's why they were just on fire. And that's why they could, as a small number, go in front of the Jewish people who crucified Jesus, stand outside the temples and talk about Jesus who is not dead but alive. That's why they could do it. So you want to sit there and talk about, hey, what empowered them? It empowered them right now because Jesus said, it is finished, but I'm not finished. What empowered them was to realize that they were not alone. And what empowered them was also the fact, was also the fact that Jesus is who he said he was. And that's why they could stand. And that's why they could empower overwhelm. You ever had an aha moment where the big picture just all of a sudden it just, it came on? I want to tell you about one that Dana had. Will you let me? Dana had an aha moment when we were in college. She broke up with me. She dumped me. And uh, I was uh, serving the Lord on mission trip while she went back to Apex, spend time with her family. And while I was there, she broke up with me. I said, man, I'm telling you, this girl has captivated my heart. And so I'm going to write her a postcard. And then I had this idea. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write three postcards. And I'm only going to put one word on each postcard. So I was there. I got to the, we got down to Florida on this mission trip. And I wrote I. And I mailed it to her. Apex, North Carolina. Second day, I mailed another postcard. Miss. We weren't at the love stage yet. Okay? Miss. Mailed it. I wrote down, I wrote down the last, on the, on the third day, I wrote down you, and I mailed it to her. And one day at a time, she got those, those, um, those postcards. I miss you. And um, I got back to college after spring break, and... Um, she said, do you want to study together? I was like, well, where's she going with this? Sat down. We sit to, went to the, the, the Dover Campus Center at Gardner University, sat down. And on March 10th, 1992, we decided that we were going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. She had an aha moment. She came back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say that I was going to play hard to get, but I crumbled like a cookie. Yes, yes. We've been together ever since. I know that you and I, we've had aha moments where God just overwhelms and reveals something to us. And here's what I'm asking you to do. We are going to be impacted by each other in the moments that we have through this book. God's Holy Spirit is going to move in such a way to show us that he is not finished with you individually and with us corporately. That he has not left us alone. And that he is who he said he was, that he is the Messiah, and he deserves our absolute best. And that's why we're going to come to this table. Because we're making a declaration individually and as a church that we gather together and we remember that his body was given to us. And we remember that his blood was shed for us so that we could be forgiven of sins and we don't have to do this sacrifice of goat or bulls or whatever those things are. We don't have to do that anymore. Because the lamb that was slain without spot or blemish, it is finished. And that's what we declare when we come and gather around this table. And so what I want you to do as we 
just get our hearts ready. So I, I, I want to challenge you to get your heart ready to come and to receive the elements that will be passed out here at the table. The, the, the table is um, set. We have the bread and the juice. And of course, the bread represents the body of Jesus and the juice represents the new covenant. It's a symbol of the blood of Jesus. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we want to invite you to come and to partake. Uh, There's one slot, but two cups are in one slot. The juice is inside the bread cup. So you're going to reach in and grab from one slot, but there's going to be two cups there. And, and, And before we get to that place, I want you to spend some time. God, I want to be clean before you. I want to keep short accounts to my sin. I want to declare with my life that you are not finished with me and you are not finished with us. And then I want us to come and take the bread and drink the juice together. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I come to you right now and I'm grateful for who you are. Thank you for these people that I get to call my church. Thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to stand before them and to speak your word. Thank you for Luke, who wrote this beautiful, beautiful book so that we would understand what the church is to be about. So in the next two minutes, we pray, God, that you would move in our lives, help us to be spiritually prepared to receive the elements that remind us of you. In Jesus' name I pray.